to head on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. The Stateside Soccer Show with Logan and Jordan. Hello and welcome to Stateside Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand and I have Logan Stump as always. How's it going, everybody? Going okay. We have a special guest uh, here uh, that we're going to be interviewing here shortly. Um I won't be there. Logan will. So I trust Logan with, uh, with the interview here and hopefully everything turns out good for it. But Logan, why don't you just give us a little, a little taste of who we are interviewing and what team they are uh, affiliated with, I guess. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to be interviewing Andres and he is the Foxtrot over on Twitter. He is a uh, Houston Dynamo coverage uh, Twitter account. So anything that happens with Houston Dynamo, he also covers some of the Dash and obviously some of the U.S. Men's National Team as it happens. Does a really nice job of covering different sports as well. Uh, he he understands you know different things. Obviously through Twitter, um, I can see some of the things that he's retweeting. Uh, I know he retweeted I think something that was J.J. Watt because he left this morning uh, from Houston. So that was some big news in Houston and. I know that he was retweeting some of that, just saying how impactful that sports can be in Houston. So I think that him covering the Dynamo, you get a real understanding of through his Twitter account and through his eyes, exactly how you know much this team means to that city and, and how much you know their recent struggles have kind of hindered them. But yeah, that's, I'm looking forward to the to the interview, and I hope that people can learn some things about the Houston Dynamo because I know that the both of us are not as well equipped when discussing some of these teams that I know that he is an expert in that field. Yeah. First, first James Harden, now JJ Watt, maybe Deshaun Watson, Houston going through some tough stuff, but they do have the dynamo and they have a rebrand. We'll ask, uh, we'll ask Andreas about the rebrand that they've gone through as well. And uh, first we had some Austin news though, that we wanted to talk about real quick as well. Uh, Thomas Ponchettino is officially signed by Austin FC. What was uh, what was your take on this, Logan? Do you think this is a good signing for them? Because I am actually not familiar with uh, Ponchettino, uh, the player. I'm familiar with the manager, but uh, do you know anything of what we can look forward to with Ponchettino? 
Yeah, he hasn't really – he hasn't gotten as many chances, uh, obviously, in Argentina. I know that he started 11 games of the 16 that they played in 19 and 20. Um, played pretty well. I think he's just kind of up and coming from uh, their, their youth team. And then I think that he's had, obviously, with COVID and everything, there's been some stoppage of play. So it's kind of tough to put a real finger on him. He is only 25. I believe. So he is coming right into that, that range and age where you'd expect a player like that to start coming to, to start uh, becoming the player that they're going to be in the league. So it should be pretty interesting. I know he's pretty controlled on the ball. I know he makes some really good decision. He passes really well. He is a attacking midfielder uh, by trade, uh, but I do think that he could go to the right or left depending on however Austin's going to line up. But I do think that he starts right into that team right away. And I think that he makes a pretty good impact, uh, obviously, if he's uh, played pretty well in his appearances down in Argentina. Speaking of Austin, let's get to that interview of their rivals, one of their crosstown rivals now of Houston Dynamo. So we'll take a short break here, and then we will welcome Andreas the Foxtrot to the show. The Stateside Soccer Show. Talking the beautiful game in the land of the free. Breaking down Major League Soccer, U.S. Men's National Team, and more with Logan and Jordan. Hello and welcome back. I'm Logan Stump, and today we are previewing the Houston Dynamo for the start of the kick of the 26th year of MLS. We have a special guest today who knows a lot more about the Dynamo than I do myself. So I want to welcome to the Stateside Show, Andres. Andres, how are you doing today? Hey, Logan. Uh, Pretty cold in Texas, you know, but but, yeah, it's pretty good so far. Uh, Thanks for having me. No problem. Yeah, I'm here in Florida uh, and we just had a spell of, I mean, we had ice um, on our uh, cars, which is really just not normal for (laughs) Florida. So uh, I can totally understand that. But um, for those that don't uh, know who you are, I know a lot of the Houston fans follow you uh, around on Twitter at the Dynamic Box, try to believe. Um, just tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you become a fan of the Dynamo? And then, you know, what does the team mean to you? Yeah, uh, so I've been a Dynamo fan not since the very start of the team, but rather like halfway through. Um, I became a fan of the Dynamo back in 2012 when I attended my first Dynamo game, which was in Eastern Conference semifinal game against Kansas City. And pretty much since then, I've felt pretty attached to the team. Um, I'm, I'm not from Houston or, or the States, but I'm rather from Venezuela. I was born and raised there for the past 13 years. And then after I moved to Houston uh, around 2010, I, I got pretty serious about following the Dynamo. Um, like, Ever, ever since I watched that game, I feel pretty attached to the team and and like the just like soccer in general, I feel pretty much attached to. So, like ever since then, um, and like I've, I've been attending a lot of games back in Houston when I used to live there. But since moving to Austin uh, for school back in 2015, uh, obviously uh, traveling to Houston uh, was uh, started to become a chore and. I was attending less games, and and around 2015, around the same time I moved, I I essentially created this platform, uh, the Foxtrot, um, but it had like a, a different name back then. But it was essentially the, the same concept. So, um, uh, yeah, th- yeah, basically through this platform, I I share uh, 
uh, Dynamo News, uh, Dynamo Insights uh, for for the past five years, and like I I built a decent decent following. Um, my goal is to obviously get as many Dynamo fans as I can. And ever since the, the Dash came into the picture, um, about around 2014, um, they they also joined. So it's kind of like a Dynamo Dash thing also. So I'm I am building a pretty a pretty uh, sizable fan base. Um, I want to gather as many Dynamo and Dash fans as I can, and and yeah, and for the past three three seasons, I've had uh, see, um, press credentials with Dynamo, so I can go to all the games I want. Obviously, that was before COVID, so uh, right, nowadays right. it's pretty it's pretty tough. And and yeah, um, my goal is to um, uh, move move outside of social media, which is like the only platform I'm currently active right now. I I did try a, a podcasting a few years ago, but it didn't work out for me since I was by myself and it's a lot of right. work. And and because of school and part-time jobs, like it was pretty hard for me to um, commit to that back then. But as of right now, I'm planning something similar. Um, I'm hoping to um, essentially stay in social media, but also focus on, on other platforms to essentially diversify what the Foxtrot is and and well, uh, yeah, uh, that, that's pretty much where I'm at today. And 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 yeah, and for the past five years, um, it's been a pretty, it's been a pretty rocky relationship with the Dynamo, especially with how they've been right. uh, these past few years. And ever since I I follow them, like the team, and following a team, it's pretty much a roller coaster. And and yeah, like it's a pretty interesting ride. Nice, very nice. Um... Yeah, so I mean, we do stateside here, so we're doing all MLS. We're doing U.S. Men's National Team. Anytime that uh, we have to talk Dynamo, uh, we'd gladly have you back on. Um, my host and I, or co-host Jordan, uh, is usually on here, but he was working today, and I had the day off. But um, you said you were in Austin, and I've got a question that that uh, you know I, I think is is interesting for all fans in Texas. What do you feel about Austin FC? I mean, do you feel like it, you know that's a uh, a bitter rival do you feel that that's a team that will challenge you guys i know that you guys had a pretty rough year last year um but austin seems to be building quite a team how do you guys feel um about them coming into the state and what does it mean for the the game of soccer in that state yeah so um like i told you i've been living in austin for the past five years and and for that that amount of time i presence the uh, how soccer is felt in the city i I've been to uh, games, uh, for the, not just for the Austin Bowl, but I also play scrimmages around town. I've seen mm-hmm. um, uh, kids' games, um, obviously, like, like weekend games. And, and obviously, it's way different uh, than Houston. Like, people have a dif- different perspective of soccer. Right. Um, the, the advantage that they're going to have is that they're essentially the only professional team in Austin. Like... Obviously, mm-hmm. there's the there's the farm teams like for the NBA and and MLB, but it's not really the same since uh, those teams are are, are somewhat out of town. Um, they're pretty they're pretty far away from town, and and just um, pre court and Austin FC coming in, I feel I feel like it's a pretty it puts um, a little bit more competition for FC Dallas and and, and the Dynamo, and and obviously. Uh, it's um it's gonna be a, a success from the get go. Uh, just in, in Austin, um, it's gonna be 
well, the thing I'm hoping for, obviously, is that um, the Dynamo ownership obviously take take notice of this, and and it's going to pile up as, as to like one of the reasons why uh, they have to get serious when it comes to investing in a team because uh, even though they've been like investing some um, like somewhat a noticeable amount like uh, this this subseason, like it's still not enough and. They have to do more than that to invest. So, I I am somewhat obviously like when when a save the crew happened. Um, obviously that wasn't the the ideal um, my ideal uh, idea for MLS to come <laughs> to Austin. Like right. I was right uh, right before obviously right before Precor announced that he was moving to Austin. I was more hoping mm-hmm. that San Antonio would get the team first, but um, right. it happened and like I was like I. Obviously, I wasn't gonna follow Austin FC immediately because I'm already committed to the Dynamo. But um, I, w- I was somewhat hoping to like uh, fo- follow them um, casually, but because it's um, a pre-court thing, um, I don't think of following them um, as a casual. Like I-, I feel like just watching them as as a neutral would be good for me, and also mm-hmm. because they uh, they. Uh, they use they drafted a Venezuelan in the MLS Super Draft, so right. I'm, I'm mostly keeping my eye on that um, for for the upcoming season. But yeah, like like I'm pretty much um, I'm cautiously optimistic with what with what Austin FC brings. Um, but I'm pretty happy. I'm mostly happy for like the people of Austin that they get to watch the soccer team. Um, and yeah, like I'm pretty much looking forward to what they bring and what happens to uh, soccer in the state in general. Right. Yeah, I think it it's interesting too because of watching them develop uh, quite a brand already that they haven't played yet. Um, and speaking of branding, you guys recently rebranded. I mean, pretty much the whole team, the logo, everything, uh, that the look, uh, just the feel of the team. And I, my question is, uh, there's a lot of uh, needs for this team, uh, and I think that the you know not winning games was kind of attached to that brand that you had before. But now it seems that with uh, with Tab Ramos in place, with this new brand, um, what is that rebrand starting to look like for you guys? How does it, you know, progress going forward, uh, and why is it important that you guys did rebrand? Yeah, so the rebrand, um, uh, the Dynamo president of business operations, um, John Walker, uh, one time, like recently explained, like when the rebrand happened, he explained that the rebrand process took about two years to to work through. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, they had to come up with a crest and and everything, and 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 obviously, like the when the rebrand came in, like it came it, at a really bad time. Like the timing was pretty bad. Like I, w- right. I was expecting a rebrand to come in in like the next ten years, um, mm-hmm. but that was a, f- a few years ago when I thought of that and. Like it, it was essentially ine- inevitable, but I wasn't expecting it this soon. And and that, like I said, the timing was pretty pretty bad because like um, this uh, on paper, like even though um, the issues with COVID and uh, playing out a reduced schedule against um, a pretty congest, like essentially playing the same teams um, in a pretty congested schedule, like kind of unfavored the Dynamo, but on paper. It's um it was the worst uh, season in Dynamo history, um not only because they finished last in the in the Western Conference standings but also mm-hmm. uh, stats wise, and oh yeah like the the rebrand came at a bad time but like like I mentioned uh, the re the rebrand process took about two years and 
and like from from here, um, obviously Tab Ramos is building um, a team based on what he can get from the from the Dynamo front office and Matt Jordan, mm-hmm. uh, which are essentially the two uh, key actors as to why why the Dynamo are are failing uh, for the past um, six years, seven years. Uh, essentially, that's when right. um, Matt Jordan came in first, and then um, mm-hmm. Gabriel Brenner uh, got the majority stake for the Dynamo and. And, and yeah, like since since then they only made playoffs once. Um, that and that was like one playoff appearance in the last seven years, uh, which is pretty terrible. Um, in <laughs> in Dynamo in <laughs> standards, if you look back right. at the history, it's pretty terrible. Yes. In, in our standards yes. and and essentially that gives you the the notion of like of like you are playing, um, you are a minor league team in a major league city, and like it's pretty terrible. Um, but obviously. Like what the um, what the front office side of things are trying to do is change the perspective of the team and and obviously the rebrand um, like based on what how the season was last year it like it's kind of it's kind of fifty fifty really um, I was kind of like on the side of of expecting the rebrand at some point eventually and mm-hmm. and like with the with the look of the crest and like how they use the colors now like I. Like I, my main concern with the rebrand was that they weren't going to erase the name, and they they kept it, which I was perfectly fine with. Um, right. It's just that the it's just that the crest. Um, it might take a while for me to adapt, um, because even like I appreciate the uniqueness of the crest. I appreciate mm-hmm. that it's not a circle or a shield. Um, right. But okay. yeah, but it's just that I don't like. I feel like it could have been a little bit better, and not just it being like. Um, the initials of the team, but like it's, I feel like it's gonna grow up, grow on me over time. I feel like mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you if you see the the variant for the crest, but it's just the the letters, which I I I most I mostly prefer over having the name of the team on the crest. I'm kind of yeah. like what the Timbers yeah. are doing, and like right. I, I I hope they they eventually move to that as their their primary logo. But mm-hmm. oh well, um, yeah, like from here, like it's. Um, it's mostly gonna come down to listening to Tab and and get to as many of his goals as them that as Matt Jordan and the front office can. But obviously, um, as all Dynamo fans know, like it's it's a hard task essentially since like Jordan is like one of the main reasons why the team is the way it is right now. And right. and and uh, Tab Ramos is doing whatever he can to um, build a team from what he gets. Right. So, and you and you're talking about Matt Jordan, um, and just the fact that Tab needs more of his own kind of players in there to play his style. I recently saw, and I think you retweeted it quite a bit because that's where I saw it uh, on your feed. Was the fact that they had been linked to Carlos Salcedo, who you know it's that center back or right back that he can play. He's very versatile. He plays for Tigres, and uh, you probably watched. The, I think he watched the game yesterday as I was following along with you. Um, and he, I mean, to be honest, he looked the most impressive out of the, that bunch. I mean, he looked really good. He played well, uh, strong and physical. Looks like he control back line, uh, which I know is a big struggle for you guys last year. Um, just kind of the moving pieces and everything. So, you know, that being said, uh, what do you think about the Mexican defender? Uh, if you've heard much about him uh, and how does that improve the team? If, if they're able to get, you know, one of those spots filled with Salcedo. 
Oh yeah, uh, the last time I heard about Salcedo was when he was uh, with RSL, which was a, a very mm. long time ago. And right. And and yeah, like I wasn't really paying much uh, attention to him up until recently when um, when apparently the Dynamo were interested in him, and so I I started looking and and yeah, I watched um, yesterday's game against Bayern Munich and and uh, Tigres came with a plan and they they almost pulled it off um, if it wasn't for that mm-hmm. handball, but. Um, like yeah, Salcedo played um, very well. Um, he like he like if the Dynamo somehow managed to pull it, pull it off, like it'll be quite impressive considering the the, the track record they have with um, notable signings. Um, mm-hmm. Like just taking like the only notable signing with um, with um, like if you spend like that much kind of money, like you're looking at um, the next. Um, like the biggest signing like the Dynamo ever had like recently uh, was like Kubo Torres and obviously mm-hmm. like that was a a, a disappointment on, up until the last year of course uh, when he um, broke through to an extent but but yeah like this is this will be way different obviously um, in the sense that it's in a it's a position the Dynamo uh, desperately need need to fix um, it's a position like they this offseason they clearly want to um, like overhaul essentially and that's what they're working on obviously after trading for tim parker and drafting ethan bartlow um you see that they're uh, trying to do it but it's mostly just because tab ramos is is pushing pushing matt jordan to make make the trades and and yeah um if like somehow like obviously the, the issue with Salcedo will be uh meeting his salary and somehow uh, meeting the transfer fee which is so- something that the Dynamo are are historically um, like financially speaking unable to do in the current state mm-hmm. of things how, or and how the ownership is. Um, right. So, but yeah, like I'm, I'm still pretty doubtful it's going to happen. But if it does, it will be pretty incredible. Yeah, I was going to say, and they were talking about. I listened to, um, I forget, it's the team podcast, um, City of Football, I think it's called. Um, yeah. And they were and they were talking about the fact that. You know, there there was links to that, and if that happens with him and um, Tim Parker, that that becomes ultimately probably one of the best center back duos in the whole league if they're able to add him. But you mentioned the fact that they did go after in the super draft uh, Ethan Bartlow, who um, is the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year. When I watch some of the highlights, I do think that he steps in and he adds quite a bit of depth and quite a bit of. Um, strength to that back line that that somewhat struggled last year, obviously. Um, you know, looking at that, do you think that those additions, I mean, what you guys gave up, uh, I think 40 goals last year, um, which was, you know, up towards the latter part of the, the of, uh, you know, goals given up. Do you think that the additions of Parker and Bartlow really kind of shore up that back line like they need to? Uh, I, I, I think it, it improves them. It makes them better, so that's always a plus. But do you think that that's a pairing that in the future works out well for the Dynamo? On paper, it's pretty, um, it's pretty optimistic. Um, mm-hmm. But obviously, we will have to see um, how how these guys interact with each other and how how they how how they essentially read each other. And knowing that, like the issues with uh, this past year, uh, was just. Um, Trying to see if Kiki Struna and uh, Figueroa uh, were 
like if you were able to see the cohesion with it with them but unfortunately like like every game felt like a nightmare because like we yeah. we, we already knew we we're gonna concede two goals at least and mm-hmm. and which was a sucky part but um but obviously like get, getting these guys um uh, gets me pretty for hopeful with what Tad Ramos is trying to do with the back line um like it's been an, a main issue um for the past seven years um, looking back, like we have, we had a ton of center backs, and most of them didn't work. Um, right. But that was up to, um, I mean, from 2012 uh, onwards, like it was something. 2011, I should say, onwards, um, it's something that Dynamo had been uh, lacking essentially, and and yeah, and and like I said, um, these just just getting a Bartlow and Tim Parker. Um, it's a pretty good uh, sign for good things to come, but I'll, I'm, I'm actually optimistic as of right now because of how the Dynamo have been uh, for the past several seasons. All right. Yeah. Yeah, and just a just a stat there, you know, starting 31 goals in the final 15 minutes of play, resulting in a loss or a draw for those games that are that were played, uh, and they end up giving 40 goals, um, which means defensively before those minutes, it it was they were rather effective um, those pairings between the two. Um, so just, you know, working on that defensive back line, because we'll get into it a little later here um, about your attack, because your attack wasn't, I mean, it wasn't horrible. Uh, it was it was just above average, I think. Um, and, and I think getting better uh, as time goes on. Um, but, you know, looking at the coaching staff, looking at Tab, he adds Martin Vasquez um, and his role is to be the assistant coach on the first team. He's got responsibilities such as, you know, running the training sessions, helping design play, helping design that back line uh, and how they maneuver uh, across that back line. Um, He's always been known as developing really good talent, the U23 team kind of talent. Um, He is a developer by choice. He always is able to take younger players and really develop them with the help of seasoned players, uh, which I think that you guys have a nice mix of as you guys start to look to add some more young talent. Um, especially with that defensive back. Um, do you think that, you know, he really changes the game for Houston? Do you have younger players that you're looking for him to kind of get into the fold with? Uh, are there guys that are coming up that you think are are viable uh, options for your first team? And how does he lend a helping hand there? I think uh, one of the best um, things that Animal have done is hiring uh, Martin Vasquez mm-hmm. uh, this offseason. Um, and just by looking at his resume like his resume is incredible like not not just when he was a professional like playing mm-hmm. soccer but like everything he has gone through as a coach and like uh, honestly i was quite impressed they, they they managed to get him after um after the position was vacant and it was it was a position that um tab ramos needed help with essentially essentially because how um the dynamo are are currently trying to improve the academy and it's been mm-hmm. that, that way for the past a few years since Paul Holoker uh, became the director of the academy. And essentially, they're, they're overha- overhauling the, the pipeline and they're pushing for more homegrowns to, to get in the roster. Uh, this offseason, they did, um, well, I should say this past year, they did, they did get two home, homegrowns, uh, Daniel Rios and um, Juan Castilla. Uh, Castilla mm-hmm. being like the youngest signing the Dynamo ever had at 15 years old. Right. And obviously, there, there's commitment there um, that they're trying to push as many young players as they can. Um, and like that, that makes me pretty hopeful for like what Tabramos and, and Vasquez are trying to work with. And, and yeah, they're, they're trying to bring like a new, new energy to the lineup. They're trying to 
um, they're trying new things, obviously, with with how they have to they essentially have to work with uh, with all the scraps they have, as I mentioned before. But like, it's pretty like it's it's still amazing to me, really, how how somehow they managed to get to get Vasquez here. Yeah, I think it, uh, you know, looking at youth and especially in the MLS with such a huge push of our youth players here in the United States, I think that those homegrown developing that talent can be so huge for teams, even if it's just you know, playing them for a year or two, like, you know, Orlando does a DK or anybody does with like Brendan Aronson with Philly. I think flipping them for some money uh, is essentially what is end up happening, which is helping a lot of these teams grow. Um, and then helping also people recognize the talent over here. That being said, um, you know, looking at your attack, I, I mentioned it before um, you guys were just, you know, right on average, right of the middle of the pack with 30 goals last season, uh, fourth in shots on target, but those shots on target aren't hitting, but you know, they're not going into the back of the net. I think they, they both uh, you were bottom five in both uh, goals per shot and goals per shots on target. Um, you know, and that, that, that I think is ultimately a good sign. I think, you know, chances start to go their way uh, a little bit here in 2021, especially with some of these additions and some of these players playing together. On paper, you've proven that uh, you guys are improving with Yerudi, who uh, plays in that midfield area, I believe, um, in that attacking mid. And he's, you know, a, a fantastic player and really going to help. Uh, Darwin Quintero, who played really well and led the MLS and assist last year. Um, Christian Ramirez, who uh, can have that threat of a consistent goal scorer he had success in the past um you got guys like ariel lassiter and uh fafa you know my question to you is losing two of your top four goal scorers um albert uh elise and uh, maro montagna manotis um you know now that they're gone where do you guys look for goal chances is there somebody out there that you're looking at that you can say hey you know i think this is where the goals come this year and this is where these shots start to go into the net Oh yeah, this whole season we had a joke. Um, we <laughs> we said that we can field um, enough forwards to put a starting eleven, and, and we can probably put like Papa Pico, like a, a goalkeeper. Yeah, right. But, but yeah, like this off season they got they they got a, a ton of forwards. Um, they they obviously want to um, also over somewhat uh, change how the the forward dynamic. Um, obviously, they want to. Um, they wanted to move a lot of pieces around because I noticed that on the release for Papa Pico, he was listed as a midfielder. So there might be something going on with that. Um, obviously, he can play forward. I think I think he can play forward better, but um, we'll see. Essentially, but but yeah, uh, they they made a lot of changes to the to the forward positionings. Um, Manotas had a really a rough year last year. Um, he he did get a lot of chances, but uh, mm-hmm. somehow wasn't finishing them and. And also, like this offseason, it was a good time for him to move on. Uh, he since he, he's still pretty young, and because he, um, and he he always yeah uh, he he just has a shop in in Europe. So right. uh, I I do hope he gets it. Um, obviously, a lot of Dynamo fans were not happy because he is the number two uh, Dynamo scorer of all time, and yeah. he, he just right. got this record th- um, this past year. And and yeah, um, it, it there's that, and there's also the fact that the Dynamo haven't essentially replaced Elise um basically mm-hmm. the presence like Elise was like the player that made almost made all the plays and it, w- it was something that that Quintero uh, somewhat did this past season like he led he led the league in assists and mm-hmm. like like I feel like that's um like a, a positive both positive right. and a negative since 
uh, we can't just rely on Quintero because he he's in his thirties, <laughs> and yes. like even though he it's I'm grateful that he's playing very well. Like it shouldn't it shouldn't be that way all the time. Like obviously Tab wants to change it, um, bringing in um, oh not not only um, making that uh, Ariel Lasseter permanent, but also bringing in um, Pasher Rudy. And um, Bahamich, um, they're betting a lot on Bahamich. Um, he did, like, I was hoping I would see him like this past season, but unfortunately, mm-hmm. COVID got in the way and it didn't really work out. And I got to say, he has seen like, a lot of playing time uh, back in Argentina, mm-hmm. like during the season last year. Right. And I'm pretty much looking forward to Bahamich. I'm also looking forward to um, how Pico uh, fits in the roster. Um, like I mentioned, that for some reason, like, he was listed as a midfielder. Um, maybe mm. maybe he's gonna play a little bit back or, or like um, like a center attacking or like a little bit on, on the flank. But like I'm pretty I'm also looking forward to that. Um, as for Maxi Rudy, I felt like that was a pretty interesting one. Um, he could be he could be the number nine um, if yeah. not Ramirez. Right. Like I I was expecting Ramirez um, to start um, as soon as mm. Manotas moved away, but. Uh, Rudy in the picture makes it interesting. Obviously, as competition for uh, Ramirez and mm-hmm. and um, and yeah, like all, other veteran, more veteran presses uh, at number nine, which which is pretty nice for us. And another thing I was looking forward to mostly was how Tyler Pasher fits in. Um, obviously, right. like there's a there's a noticeable rise of like um, USL players succeeding in MLS. So I'm hoping to see the same. Um, Happen with the Dynamo, considering that both Tab and Matt Jordan talk good about him. So, uh, we'll see. Um, hopefully, the production uh, improves this this next season, and and yeah, and like I said, uh, hopefully, hopefully, like one day they they make a starting eleven just full of forwards. But, right. but yeah, right. you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens this, next season. Yeah, I was gonna say you guys have a plethora of attacking players. Just looking at the roster and just guys they're adding, I'm going, gosh, they, no wonder their defense struggles. It's it's a little bit of like you said, it's, it looks like a bunch of um, center forwards playing a, a, a game of soccer, a pickup game or something. Um, so I got a question for you too. Is you know looking at uh, I, I was going back and looking at uh, MLS's back, looking at the tournament, looking at who played well for you guys and then who played well throughout the season. And one main name that came to mind was uh, Memo Rodriguez. Uh, I was impressed with him. He's now 25, so I know that's a little bit of an older. I mean, he's getting to become more of a veteran, uh, I, I would say. Um, but Tab talked a lot about last year, like getting him the green light, getting him in a position where he's comfortable going forward and creating. Um, he He's able to score. He can put the ball in the back of the net. He can create chances. Uh, he looks like a very dangerous number 10. I think that that's something that Houston is hoping that he can become a dangerous 10. Um, what are your thoughts on Memo? Does he take that next step forward this season? It looks like he's primed for that next step. Uh, and then just give me your general thoughts on the number 10. Oh, yeah, he's a starter for sure. Um, uh, we, we've seen in the past few years how he has grown. Um, he He is the... He is like the best product that Dynamo Academy has produced. Um, if you look at mm-hmm. results and and obviously they want to um, make him um, that important. Um, I I do hope that he he gets like that that much more playing time because he he proved it last year and he he also just got renewed. So 
Um, if he's not starting, that that will, that will be pretty worrisome. Um, that's a, not, being number ten is a position that he has succeeded lately, and and yeah, like I can I can really see that with also um, distributing the ball to the new forwards. So be that's one of the things I'm I'm looking forward to, and and yeah, like the number ten is a it's it's a position he he can he can strive to uh, this next season as well, like knowing he can succeed there. Yeah, because I'm just reading through articles and they they talked about how it just seems like, and, and again, it might be the same way this year, but they just clog up that attack so much um, just because they've got so many options and it can go so many different ways, obviously. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what kind of steps he takes to improve. Because I, I, looking at him, his highlights, I do he does look dangerous. I mean, he looks like somebody that, given some time, given some opportunities here and there, that he's going to make a real difference. Um, just a couple last questions here. Tab Ramos, second season at the club. Uh, overall, uh, he's made some pretty good moves that really affect his style. He's made a big emphasis on uh, creating defenders that are just sound defenders, somebody that can get in front of a ball, um, somebody that's going to stop the attack. Um, do you think that you know he's? You think he's the coach that you guys need to improve the side? Uh, you know, listening to some of his his press conferences, he seems like somebody that's got it all together. He seems like a promising uh, talent as far as a head coach. Uh, and then, how do you think he? You know fixes this or you know what solutions does he come up with the struggles that you guys have had recently oh yeah tab is a coach that had to stay here uh in houston for a very long time um he he does have a plan like i mentioned before he he is not the problem but rather um he's doing whatever he can to to get this team uh back on track to get uh, this team to be competitive again and obviously with like how the, the front office is handling the team um, mm-hmm. Tab Ramos is the only one that has the vision to to make the team something. Like you, you would guess like Matt Jordan has would have something like that, but like for the past seven years, that has not been the case. Um, mm-hmm. The only hope for this franchise is essentially Tab Ramos and his plan, his plan coming to fruition. And and of course, if you don't l- listen to him, uh, we're gonna be back on square one every single year. And mm-hmm. and yeah. Um, like obviously the the gamble as of right now it's on on improving the academy uh, which is a pretty good timing considering that Holoker uh, came in right before Tab, and it's something that they're 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 pushing for uh, like I said before and it's something that that I can really see it happening like obviously the the Dynamo Academy has failed for a very long time before mm-hmm. Holoker came in and. And I feel like they're they're making significant progress when it comes to improving their their image and when it comes to develop actually developing players, and I and I just hope that's the case. I and also hope that 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 Matt Jordan keeps listening to Tab and obviously, uh, and I'm also hoping that uh, obviously because of the pandemic took place, um, I I I'm, I'm assuming like he was retained because of like financial issues but mm-hmm. like obviously like my journey should not stay after this season um obviously they have to move on to another gm and and obviously like there's also the 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 words on the street being that um a brenner is selling his stake so i'm still i'm still looking forward to those um we, that's one of the things we have to look forward to this season obviously like um how those positions are taken care of and which essentially impacted the, the the team long term and and yeah, like as long as Tab stays, uh, there's a plan. So um, he, he has to stay. Right. Yeah, I think you you know 
reading about it, it does seem like Matt Jordan, with the time that he's been given, it's time for somebody else to step in there. I think you're right. I think the pandemic, you see a lot of teams and all sorts of American sports too, cutting out the GM for this year, just because ownership's like, you know, we can't pay somebody that much money to just sit in that chair um, when we can do it for a year. Um, Last question, uh, Andres, I I think, you know, looking back on what we've talked about, looking back, at least I think, um, and and we give our predictions later on, um, but I do want to get some of your thoughts on the season coming up. I do think that Houston has made pretty good strides uh, of improving. So my question is, what do you consider a successful season for Houston? Uh, what are some things that need to happen to ensure that you guys take that step forward this year and not a couple steps back? For this season, obviously, because of COVID, there's going to be another a congested season. Um, my hope going to it is that the schedule is not as congested as last year's. Obviously, mm-hmm. last year um, was pretty much um, uh, a last-minute thing because the pandemic like essentially hit when the season started and MLS had mm-hmm. to like figure out a panel immediately. I'm hoping that this season, um, on the side that the Dynamo cannot control, I, I'm hoping that the, the schedule is less congested and, and there are at least more teams we can play. And as of things that the Dynamo can control, I'm hoping that the Dynamo are ready to... Um, I'll, I'll see... Uh, I'm hoping that Tab pushes his, his plan. I hope that he he rotates the team because obviously, like, there's a good chance um, MLS is gonna uh, con- congest the hell out of the schedule. So the key, the key the key is going to co- is, is essentially going to be a rotating the squad and everyone mm-hmm. being on shape. Obviously, um, when they obviously uh, resigned um, Figueroa, that was one of the moves that. That makes me, I think, uh, oh yeah, they were looking for uh, for veteran presence, and, right. and obviously they have they haven't announced it yet, but also Boniek is coming in. Um, mm-hmm. uh, like obviously he's like a, a big a big player in, in Dynamo. Like he, yeah. he's been here for like a very long time, right. like, almost right. uh, ten seasons now. And I was going to say a really like, long he, time. <laughs> yeah, he's just trying to um to get the veteran presence in, um, make. Like make everyone happy, make everyone be excited to be there, and and obviously, like I want to, I, I want to see those things. Like I want, I want, I want the squad to, to be excited to be in the position that they are. Like, uh, obviously, like they might be worried of the pandemic, they might be worried that, um, of, of the results. Like if they get bad results, but like I'm just hoping that, like everyone is excited to be playing. Like obviously, you have. A, a newer image because of the rebrand, but that's not. Mm-hmm. But that's. But the the main focus is essentially um, turning the page from last year and and um, and just doing you just doing your best on the field. That's what I'm looking forward to. And 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 like I said, I'm cautiously optimistic. I I would still want to see uh, what the, um, the new defenders bring to the table, which is obviously like the the most important thing that Dynamo have to address, uh, which they're working on right now. And, and yeah, we'll, we'll see. I'm cautiously, cautiously optimistic, but that's one of the things I'm hoping for. Awesome. Well, it's been a lot of fun having you on, Andres. Uh, we'll definitely have you on again to talk some Houston Dynamo. I'm hoping that we can have you on and, and reflecting on how they've improved as a side. I do think that as a squad, they have made some adjustments that I do think that they're going to push out of that bottom side, um, at least the, the not the last spot in that conference. Um but yeah, it's been fun having you on. Where can people find you again? 
Yeah, uh, at Dynamic Foxtrot on Twitter. Um, I'm, I'm pretty active there. Uh, you, you can see like all the news, like Dynamo Dash Insights and everything. But yeah, um, but thank you so much for having me. Like obviously, if you want to talk more Dynamo, um, just hit me up and and yeah, I'll definitely love to to rant with your like vent or or be happy with Dynamo. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I wish you guys all the best of luck down there. I hope it gets warmer. It's getting warmer here in Florida. So uh, I don't like to hope warm on con people because I know just how hot it can get in some of these cities. Um, but yeah, really appreciate the time, Andres. And again, that is uh, the Foxtrot over on Twitter. He was fantastic. And we really appreciate having you on. Thank you so much, Logan. And welcome back. That was Andreas, the Foxtrot on Twitter. Uh, what is his actual handle? Do you have it there? Yeah, it's Dynamic Foxtrot. On Twitter. Uh, thank you for coming on to the show. I hope everybody that listened to this episode enjoyed the insight there. Logan, what was one thing, since you were actually in the Zoom where it happened? Uh, <laughs> sorry, that was the really Zoom bad where joke. it happened. <laughs> Very bad joke. But can you tell us one thing that maybe stuck out to you from your uh, interview, something to look forward to? That's really sad news that Jade. Oh, sorry, wrong sport. Uh, no, I, I, I think talking to him, it was really interesting to hear his perspective on the way that Tab Ramos really has impacted this team. I do think as you're going from year one to year two, Houston fans, I think you can take some comfort in knowing that Tab seems to be implementing a system that I think will be successful. It's just going to take a little bit of time. I'm not sure that it gets fixed right away, but the things that they've done in the offseason, adding Tim Parker, adding Justin Bartlow, guys like that in that defensive uh, center back positions, those are powerful defensive center backs. And should they somehow uh, sneak away Salcedo from Tigres, I think that that's – you're looking at what could possibly be the best center back pairing in uh, the Western Conference easily and probably the whole league, I think. Just looking at the different things that the two bring uh, with the addition of Salcedo, should that go through – uh, he seemed a little less hesitant to see to say that he thought it would go through just because the Matt Jordan era in Houston, uh, who's the GM, doesn't really like to spend a whole lot, or he might be the owner. I'm sorry if I mixed that up, but um, I think he's the GM. But anyway, the, the person bringing in the personnel to put on the pitch seems very unwilling to spend the amount of money that I think Salcedo would, would garner as, as one of the top uh, center backs in MLS. Um, and again, I think it's it's tough uh, for Houston fans because they've been used to that success, and that's what he talked about. He actually lives in Austin, uh, which I thought was really funny, that just because he's awesome. <laughs> he's watching, you know, he's watching this team just kind of infuse all sorts of money and power into this side that I think is actually going to be pretty competitive in MLS and the Western Conference. So to have him being a Houston fan in Austin, watching his team who had been successful, watched a team come in that could probably be the most successful team given time and, and the resources that they're going to have in that city. It, it was cool just to hear his perspective on it. And he is, he's like, it's going to be a very good uh, rivalry the, 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 in between the oh, three sure, of the yeah. states, um, you know, whether Dallas can come up uh, and use some of that youth to their advantage. Uh, we'll see. But I, I think that listening to him talk, it was just funny to get his take on how Houston is going to necessarily become like the second team if Austin can do what they really want to do it's just interesting to hear you say all of that because uh you know because you're just now starting to pay attention to the league 
and stuff. But for, you know, uh, my entire time watching the league until very recently, Houston was a good team constantly in the hunt for MLS Cup. Uh, you know, lost to the Galaxy in MLS Marcus Cup recently. Beasley. DeMarcus Beasley played yeah. there for 100 years. And you had, um, you know, th- the battles between them and Sporting Kansas City were always great playoff matches. Uh, but, yeah, they've they've kind of fallen off recently. But, you know, with Todd Ramos and, man, the Tim Parker trade, I just totally forgot about that. Uh, that is huge uh, for Houston. They sent, they sent a lot of money that way. So I'm hoping I think that that works out. I think they'll be much improved this year uh, than last year, and I'm looking forward to it. So uh, if you are looking to follow us, it's at Stateside Show on Twitter, at Stateside Show uh, on uh, Instagram, uh, facebook.com slash Stateside Show, or you can email us statesideshow at gmail.com. We have another interview coming up shortly focusing on San Jose. That episode should be posted on Monday. So uh, Monday the 15th? Yes, day after Valentine's. Yeah, Monday the 15th is when that uh, San Jose interview should be up. So hopefully everybody enjoys that one as well. As we keep on rolling through this MLS preview of 2021 season, and we will catch you all next time. Tomorrow throwing his body in, it's going to fall for Ibrahimovic! Oh, come on! Come on! Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the U.S. Men's National Team, Americans Abroad, MLS, USL. This is Stateside Soccer Show presented by Stoppage Time Soccer Show. Have a good one.